The Old Testament reading for the third Sunday in Lent comes from Ezekiel chapter 33, 7 through 20. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. And you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus have you said, Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us, and we rot away because, we rot away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? And you, son of man, say to your people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him when he transgresses. And as for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall by it when he turns from his wickedness. And the righteous shall not be able to live by his righteousness when he sins. Though I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, Yet if he trusts in his righteousness and does injustice, none of his righteous deeds shall, re shall be remembered. But in his injustice that he has done, he shall die. And again, though I say to the wicked, you, sure, you shall surely die. Yet if he turns from his sin and does what is just and right, if the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what he has taken by robbery, and walks in the statutes of life, not doing injustice, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the sins that he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is just and right. He shall surely live. Yet your people say, the way of the Lord is not just when it is, when it is their own way that is not just. When the righteous turns from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. And when the wicked turns from his wickedness and does what is just and right, he shall live by this. Yet you say the way of the Lord is not just. O house of Israel, I will judge each of you according to his ways. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. The epistle reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 through 13. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, 
but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but that the temptation he will also provide, with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. There were some present at that very time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Coming home, as you know, sometimes can be a very good thing. Uh, on January 3rd of this year, there was uh, quite a blizzard outside of Richmond, Virginia. And there was, a, at the beginning of it, there was a jackknifed semi that blocked all three lanes of Interstate 95. And uh, people started backing up be behind this semi. And the snow was falling so heavily that the uh, rescue crews uh, had a hard time getting that semi cleared out of there and getting the roads opened up. In fact, uh, the backup there was miles and miles. And many people spent the night there, some as long as 27 hours, in their cars. And one uh, gentleman named Marvin Romero was traveling with his two young daughters, eight and ten years old. They were coming back from a family vacation in Florida, of all places, and they got caught in this backup. And they spent the night there, huddled under blankets, trying to sleep through this cold night. And he said later it was, uh, it kind of wear it as a badge of honor that they lived through a once in a lifetime experience like that. But you know that they had to be really, really glad to be finally home. And today's gospel reading 
if we look at it in a certain way, is about coming home. It's about coming home out of danger, out of the cold. <clears throat> Luke tells us that there were some there with Jesus who told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. So this uh, likely happened during the, the Passover celebration since that's the time when people would be there in Jerusalem sacrificing. A lot of people would be sacrificing. And uh, it sounds like, we don't really know anything about this, but it sounds like they were there in the temple precincts uh, offering their sacrifices, slaughtering the lambs with the priests. And Pilate sent in his troops and they slaughtered these Galileans. We don't know why, we don't know what the reasoning was, but apparently that's what happened. And so uh, their blood was mingled with the blood of the lambs that they were sacrificing. Now in the verses just previous to our reading, Jesus has warned the people to read the signs. Maybe in telling Jesus about this, some hoped to elicit from him a, a strong condemnation of Pilate and the Roman occupation of Israel. Maybe they were looking at this as maybe one of the signs that uh, Jesus or the Messiah should rise up. Maybe they saw this as an, a sign that God's intervention to bring uh, political freedom was near. Or perhaps they thought that these particular Jews were just such bad sinners, were somehow so evil that they deserved this kind of a death. But Jesus uses the opportunity not to talk about Pilate, not to talk about the sins of the martyred Galileans, but to talk about the sins of everyone. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? Jesus asked them. And then he mentions this other tragic event, a, a tower that came down suddenly and killed 18 people, injured who knows how many. And Jesus asked the same question. Did these who died when that tower fell, did they die because of their sin? Is that what happened? Was this God's judgment on them? And we see these sorts of headlines today, and maybe we wonder the same sorts of things. We ask God the question, why? An illness returns, or our plans fall apart, and we wonder, is God punishing me? And just like that, we're off down some rabbit hole. Why do bad things happen to good Galileans. A child gets cancer, a drunk driver slams into a car, killing a mother and two small children, an innocent bystander takes a bullet in a gang war, and we ask the question, why? And notice here that Jesus doesn't go where the people expect him to go. He's not going to answer the why kind of question. The Galileans or the victims of the fallen tower didn't die, Jesus says, because they were worse sinners. Rather than to go on to explain the why, Jesus takes the crowd where he wants them to go. 
Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Two days before Corrine died, she and I sat in her hospital room and we had communion. But before she took the body and blood of our Lord into her mouth, she confessed that she was a poor, miserable sinner in need. She repented of her sins. She confessed that she needed the forgiveness that comes through the, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. And then two days later, she died. And at that very moment, she was with her Lord in heaven. And this is what it's all about in a nutshell. The Christian life. The life of repentance. That our sins are forgiven. That we can be with Christ, with God, in heaven for eternity because of it. Because of that, Corrine was not afraid to die. Christ here calls the Jews to repentance. And he calls you and me to repentance today, too. His call to repentance for our sins is a call to come home. Repentance is a turning. It's a, a turning away from ourselves, a turning away from our selfishness, uh, a turning away from wanting our own way, a turning away from our pride and our vanity. Repentance is an acknowledgement that we need to turn and go another way. Because when we sin, we turn away from God. We head our own direction. We put God in the rearview mirror, and we need to repent. And repentance is not just for the big sins. It's not just for adulterers and murderers or embezzlers or identity thieves. It's for all of us. God calls us this day to repent of our sin and to come home. We budget our money so that we can spend it in gratifying ourselves very often. And at the same time, we're not willing to be generous to others. And when we repent, when we turn away from that greed, then we come home. Although we have more food in our houses than we can possibly eat, although we have more clothes than we can possibly wear, although we're incredibly blessed in so many ways, we still find ample reasons to complain, worrying about whether everything will turn out all right, living as though God's not going to come through with what we need for our sustenance or what we deserve in life. And then when we repent, when we turn away from our ingratitude, we come home. We dote on ourselves, we fix up our appearance, fix up our Facebook pages so that others will see us in a better light, more handsome, more beautiful, more put together. We think about how others view us, what they think of us, and how we can improve their estimation of us. And when we repent, when we return away from our pride and vanity, we come home. Fear, lust, 
You get the idea. Jesus tells a parable about a dissatisfied youth. Although he lives very comfortably, food, clothing, money, he's not satisfied. He goes to his father and says to him, give me my inheritance. And then he turns his back on his father and he leaves. And for a while, he lives the life that he dreamed of. Maybe lives the life that we dream of. No one telling him what to do. No one directing him where to go. Plenty of money. He can do whatever he wants. Buy whatever friends he wants. Spends it on himself. And I sometimes think that what stands out about this parable, about this young man in America, is that he didn't spend his money wisely. He was reckless. And what stands out is the sinful life that he leads also. But the big problem is that this man, this young man, left his father, turned his back on his father and left home. And isn't that what sin is really? Turning our back on God and leaving. Rejecting his care. Rejecting his sovereignty. We go our own way. We satisfy our own wants and our own desires. We think that everything will be better for us out there if we're out from under his thumb. Eventually, the prodigal son finds himself in such a bad place that he wishes he was just a slave back in his father's household. He begins to see what he has done. Repentance has begun. He begins to turn away from what has led him so far to this bad place. He turns toward home. And we often think of repentance as a painful thing, something we hate to do. But in the parable, what does the young man find as he repents? Is he punished? Is he made to be a slave in his father's household? No. Instead, we find that his father has all the time been waiting for him. And his father runs to meet him out on the road there. And the wayward son is received with outstretched arms and with hugs and kisses in a manner that he did not expect. A new robe, a new ring on his finger, new sandals for his feet, and a party like he has never seen before. And this is repentance. This is coming home. Jesus says, unless you repent, you will likewise all perish. And that word perish doesn't just mean die. Jesus isn't saying that unless you repent, you might meet with some unfortunate accident or contract some deadly disease. The word in the Greek that we translate as perish means to destroy utterly, to be completely cut off. Unless you repent, you will be destroyed utterly. And we know that this is not God's will, that any should perish and be destroyed utterly. And that's why Jesus calls me to repent. It's why he calls you to repent. Not just one time, but continually. 
Luther offers up an evening prayer that you could say at night. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. And I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong and graciously keep me this night. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. It is something that we should do daily, something we should uh, do all the time, repent of our sins. God's word that we read today says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Because if we don't turn, then we will die. One of the great common themes in the Old Testament is the steadfast love of God. And the steadfast love of God is a few words that we have in English. There's one word in Hebrew that covers the steadfast love of God. That's the word kesed. God's kesed. Kesed is love that never ends. Kesed is love that never fails. Kesed is love that gives the life of the Son of God for sinners like you and me. Jesus illustrates God's kesed in our reading today, God's steadfast love with the parable of the fig tree. The owner of the vineyard is God. And God looks at the tree and says, it hasn't borne fruit in three years, let's cut it down. But the gardener, that's Jesus, says, wait, wait a minute. Let me dig around it. Let me care for it. Let me fertilize it. Let me do everything I can do for it. Let's give it another chance to bear fruit. And this demonstrates the chesed, the steadfast love of God that would have none to be lost, but all people to come to the knowledge of the truth the saving truth of their Lord Jesus Christ. The steadfast love of the Lord is love that takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather takes pleasure in the repentance of the sinner. Sinners who come home for forgiveness. Forgiveness for the greed and the complaining and the self-centeredness. Forgiveness for our fear and our lust and all of the sin that drives us to turn our backs on God. And when we respond to his kessid, to his love, so that we repent, then we come home and we're met with the outstretched arms of Jesus. Arms that bear the marks of the Roman whips. Hands that bear the marks of the piercing nails. The signs of God's kessid. Signs of his steadfast love for you. There really is nothing better than coming home. Nothing better than repenting of our sin, turning around and finding there the open arms of Jesus. In his name, amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
We rise and continue with the Te Deum. you, O God, we acknowledge you to be the Lord. All the earth now worships you, the Father everlasting. To you all angels cry aloud, the heavens and all the powers therein. To you cherubim and seraphim continually do cry. Holy, holy, majesty of your glory. The glorious company of the apostles praise you. The goodly fellowship of the prophets praise you. The noble army of martyrs praise you. The holy church throughout all the world does acknowledge you. The father of an infinite majesty, your adorable true and only son. Also the holy ghost, the comforter. You are the king of glory, O Christ. The everlasting Son of the Father. When you took upon yourself to deliver man, you humbled yourself to be born of a virgin. When you had overcome the sharpness of death, you owned the kingdom of heaven to all trusted, let me never be confounded. 
we rise for prayer. Almighty God, you order and number our days according to your wisdom. Give us repentant hearts, lest we perish with this world of violence and suffering, that we would hold fast to Christ for life and salvation. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious Lord, you take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but desire that they would turn and live. Give pastors courage to warn, to warn of sin and death. Give all Christians strength to defend that message. Turn sinners to life by the proclamation of Christ, who delivers from all unrighteousness. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Heavenly Father, guard your people against immorality. Grant that our homes would be havens of godly instruction and chastity, and fill marriages with fidelity and love. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. God of all, you establish justice not through the desires of sinners, but by your law, which is for all. Enlighten the authorities of this and every nation, that they might rule justly for true good. Bring peace to Ukraine and guard the members of our armed forces, especially Matt, Lee, Ethan, and Tony. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Holy God, remember your people who cry to you for mercy in a world where towers fall and sinners work evil. Deliver those in need of healing and comfort. Especially do we pray for Bob and Katrina Einspar as they mourn the loss of Kareen. Give them the assurance of your great kessed, your steadfast love in their time of grief. Thank you for calling Kareen to yourself and for the life free of pain that she now enjoys in your presence. Give healing and comfort also to Tom, Joanne, Craig, Phil, Judy, Garth, Lauren, Patty, Dan, Barbara, Pam, Linda, Piper, Nancy, Trish, and Ken and strengthen them to look to you for help in their time of affliction. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of life, you have brought us into your vineyard and appointed us to bear good fruit. Receive our thanks for your patience and grant that we would show your love and grace in all that we say and do. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, you led your people, Israel, through the sea and fed them in the wilderness until you delivered them to the promised land. You also have faithfully enlivened your people with Christ by means of holy baptism and holy communion. Receive our thanks for your kindness to the saints who now rest from their labors and sustain us by your means of grace until you deliver us also to heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Thank you.
for Satan's work in me. You have your power asserted, your mercy and your grace that rise afresh each morn have turned my stony heart into Son of God, accept my adoration. 